The following is a Kingfisher Media production. When we talk the time, oh Jesus, I'm really off to great already. When we take the time to talk to strangers, we realize fairly quickly that we have more in common than we have in conflict. These people that seem so different end up looking so much more the same than we ever could have anticipated, which opens the door for us to look at them and think, this is what I like about you. My name is AC Fisher. With me as always is Alexis Erolin, and our guest today is Patrick Manette. Patrick is somebody we actually don't know anything at all about, so this should be kind of fun. Patrick, yeah. welcome to the show. Thank you, AC. <laughs> Hi, it's nice to be here and spend time nice with both of you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Patrick. What made you, first of all, what interested you about this show? Well, from what I could see, it had such a really lovely feel to it. And, you know, the descriptions and I, I joke with people that, you know, meeting on the Facebook group is like professional dating. You're like, do I like <laughs> you? Do you like me? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing that I always like to do is I look at people's social media. And so I really just enjoy like some of the stuff you were posting. And it just seemed really positive and really authentic and genuine of just, uh, you know, connecting with other people in a really cool and positive way, which I was drawn to. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun just getting to know random people. You know, it's like we never know coming in. Like if we're going to be talking to somebody wonderful or if we're talking to the next Hitler, you know? Right. Yeah, we never know. <laughs> it's like, oh, I forgot. We have another guest. I got to I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> but okay, so, so far, it's just, there's, there's something about everybody that we've found that we not just like, but really like. And there's always something to learn from others. And I don't know. That's the part I like about the show is just learning about people. And yeah. That's awesome. So when we were chatting just before we started recording, you'd asked us uh, just as a clarifying question, are we talking about relationships today? I, <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a clue in there as far as like what one of your main passions might be. Is, is that well, the case? It, 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 it's one of the main reasons that I've been on other shows. So uh-huh. I, I talk about <laughs> mental health, trauma relationships um you know because that's kind of my my wheelhouse so i just wanted to clarify <laughs> so right. i could just but well, you're you're in good face. company here because i mean yeah. we're both people that deal with trauma and we both struggle to relate to other people i, I think largely because of the, the the traumas that we have individually and shared traumas right what's sort of your background as, as far as that's concerned? I mean, is there like some sort of trauma in your past that's made this into a passion project for you? Well, I'm a mental health therapist, so it's kind of what I dedicate my life for. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, of so I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of New York, and I'm also a substance abuse counselor, and I'm a certified trauma therapist, and I also work with couples. So I, I work with a variety of populations and really try to, uh, you know, I don't like to use the word dabble, but incorporate different theoretical orientations into what I'm doing because all of these issues people deal with in so many different ways. And I think if you're offering therapy, you need to know all these different things that people can go through. Right. Right. Well, this should be a fun one for you today. Cause I mean, if you're somebody who's got a background, like doing relationship counseling, 
Alexis and I, up until very recently, were in a relationship. <laughs> okay. We're coming <laughs> into like a fairly fresh breakup. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Awkward. that could be a little tricky dance. <laughs> yeah, but I know so far so good. We're still working together and we still enjoy it and talk pretty much all the time. So yeah, I think we're doing okay. <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. I don't know. What, I don't know how he's doing, but yeah. No, it's interesting uh, that I always like talking about these kinds of things because, like you said, every person is so unique. Every person has their own set of code that they kind of live by, whether they're aware of it or not. Uh, everyone has their beliefs, their backgrounds, their uh, their pursuits, and to gain knowledge about all these different things, I could see how it would benefit someone like you. And I, and I think also, you know, it helps us, I, I think when anyone goes into the psychology field or the human services, it's because they've gone through their own hardships usually. And someone, you know, that what I, when I was deciding to go to grad school, you know, I was just reflecting on the people who had helped me in my own life, you know, different rough moments and, and hardships and just thinking, wow, I really want to understand myself better, but I also want to pay it forward and be there for people who might need someone like I have in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I guess if you can't find the help, you want to be the help too, right? I think some people do that. I, I, (laughs) I feel like I found help. I feel like I was really fortunate of, I found some good people to help me in my way. Uh But then I think there's also the, what effort am I doing for my wellness is, yeah. is a big component. So right. do, you, do you feel kind of like you've got an obligation to share the help that you got? I mean, you mentioned paying it forward, which is a nice gesture, but I mean, what drives you to pay it forward? I, I don't see it as an obligation at all. I see it as an opportunity and okay. it just fits well with my personality. I, I mean, I've taught, I've done a bunch of different jobs and in it, it's it usually boils down to self-care wellness and what i try to incorporate into my practice and in my philosophy is really just trying to walk my talk which also means talking about my mistakes <laughs> my yeah. failures and yeah. also knowing hey sometimes we do it on our own and sometimes we need to reach out and also learning what reaching out for healthy help looks like cuz you know sometimes people might look into areas that aren't the healthiest. Um, right, so right. Trying to create right. a um, secure place to talk about those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I people question. just want to go over that. They want to uh, find that sort of thing that kind of helps them cope from one moment to the next, but it's not really beneficial long-term. Right, Is that sort kind of like of what that, you mean? that yeah. Band-Aid, you know? Yeah. So, so how do we, I use food a lot. And if you look <laughs> at my social media for my practice, like, there's always food something. So, it, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like when you're really hungry and you have that bag of greasy potato chips. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it'll last for like 10 minutes, but what you really need <laughs> is like a nutritious meal, right? With, with yes. vitamins oh, and, yeah. and everything. So mm. it's, what are you doing to sustain yourself, to grow, to be healthy, to get the toxic stuff out, to learn what to do with it. So that way you can be free from it and, and, do what you want with your life without being encumbered by things that have happened to you. Mm-hmm. I love the I food like analogy uh-huh. because I, I feel like, God, that's like one of the most relatable things anybody's ever put in front of me. Cause I think if I think in terms of relationships and other people, it's like, if I'm having kind of like a bad patch, 
I tend to seek out the people that I feel like they're going to feel good, even though right. like in my head, I know they're going to feel bad. Yes. But mm-hmm. it's like that quick payoff. I, I, I pay for that with my long-term well-being. Right. Yeah. It's true. I have to start thinking about what I do, my actions as what I am investing in. Right. The people that I'm spending time with, okay, this might feel good now, but is this an investment or is this just a total waste of time? Is this a total waste of energy? Is it really benefiting me? Is it really benefiting the other person? Right. I think right. about that stuff. Yeah. And I, I also look at it, try to look at it as percentage of, you know, yeah, we might like junk food. So I don't want to get rid of it a hundred percent. Oh but no. I might, I might like just decrease it from yeah. seven days a week to maybe one day. So I can, right. like, you know, still function. Um, and it's the same thing with relationships. Sometimes we have to look at it as, all right, if, if this isn't helping me grow, if this isn't bringing me fulfillment, if it's not, um, helping me find peace, then I'm going to, I should really reevaluate it and see what I'm, what I'm investing in. Yeah. Already. I'm feeling like you're probably a fairly effective counselor because uh-huh. in, in, in my experience, <laughs> I, I've, I've had a lot of counseling therapy, like everything from uh, general counseling, psychologists, psychiatrists, even the one unifying factor with them all seems to be that they don't want to talk about their stuff. They want to talk right. about my stuff it's difficult for me to open up and trust when the person who's trying to help me won't tell me anything about their own personal experiences. And you're saying that you share from yours, you share from your mistakes. Right. Well, I, I think in grad school, it's really interesting that you bring that up. It was really, the the message was very clear that you're supposed to be like carte block. And the idea of what they were trying to teach us was so that, clients would come in and feel safe and secure and not judged. But then there wasn't really a discussion of, well, then how do you be you? How are you a genuine, transparent person? I think talking about my own experiences, I do it in a professional way because if you come into my office, we're not there for my therapy. We're there for yours. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. If I can say, yeah, you know, I totally know what it's like to overeat or, or binge on something that's not good. Or, you know, if I can connect to them on that human level, I feel that you're going to do better work because if not, you're just talking to stone. <laughs> right. Right. Your whole, right. your whole approach seems to challenge the psychology of psychology. I think that's, yeah. oh, <laughs> I don't fit in the box, brother. Like, giddy up. like it's, <laughs> sounds good to me. I yeah, think boxes like, are just odd. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's where, like, for example, you know, I, I like social media, you know, I do Instagram and Facebook, and I recently um, I do these therapeutic cooking things on TikTok, and it's just, like, fun, because we all can relate to something of, like, burning a chicken or not knowing how to do something, like, yeah, and we're in a pandemic, so let's find a little humor in my nonsense, I'm okay with it. Yeah, let's talk shit, everyone's got it. <laughs> yes. Keeping it real. <laughs> Keeping it real. No, I, w- I was waiting for that to make its appearance. It seems like every conversation we have, it gets serious and then it turns into bowel movements because it seems to be like if you boil life down to its mo- most basic functions, it's like we all eat, breathe, sleep, and shit, basically, right? Right. <laughs> right. And in, in that sense, I, I just find it shocking that anybody could say, well, look, I've got nothing in common with that guy. I mean, when you came on the screen, I, I have to admit, like we, we were actually just talking about this before we came on. 
how we make these judgments, these assessments <laughs> about people. Sometimes it's sight unseen. Sometimes it's like based on the most surface level information that we're taking in. And all I knew about you is that you were some sort of mental health person and that your name was Patrick. Right. Then you came on the Zoom call here. And though this podcast is, is audio only, I mean, we do video just for the ease of conversation. Right. I see this guy with like a great smile and this beautiful long head of hair. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, what kind of disheveled like <laughs> mess is <laughs> this guy? Like he doesn't look very professional, but yeah. And know, I'm like, what's his hair care routine? But, but you, <laughs> Well, I'm not going to lie. He's got that kind of hair for, for those who are listening and not seeing. You just want to run your fingers through it. <laughs> but, you know, you, you started talking and immediately it's like these basic things that we can relate to start coming out. I mean, you talked about like eating potato chips. I mean, Jesus, like anybody can relate to, to eating shit. You know, it's not right. just taking mm-hmm. a shit. There's, there's shit we put in our bodies, too. Yeah. And like that's all part of a shared experience. I, I just. You know, I, I like how your approach to helping people doesn't exclude that from the process. Thank you for listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow, and share. I see that so often when I'm working with people that sometimes, you know, when I'm when I'm working with them to treat their mental health, I'm also really working on treating the trauma from them being stigmatized for having mental health issues. So it's almost like, you know, they, if they normalize, I remember this one time, you know, I I was running this therapy group and you would do a check-in and, you know, I would just say Patrick counselor and I'm, I'm angry. And the whole group just stared at me because they wanted, (laughs) Oh my God, a counselor just checked in is angry. Are you okay? Do you, do you need, <laughs> yeah. you need the floor? And it was like, I've just had a bad day. I don't need to go into it, but I, I'm glad to be here. And yeah, we all have bad days. It, yeah. it, to normalize, I feel. And and when I'm working with someone, especially with someone if they have complex trauma or, you know, with couples, which I, I love to work with, of normalizing, hey, you're not, you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. And I think we all just need to hear that sometimes of even if the shit that's coming out is really bad. You're not alone, right? You're not alone. You know, you mentioned like enjoying working with couples. To me, if I was going to imagine myself being a therapist, I mean, I I spend a good amount of time talking to individuals, helping them navigate stuff based on my realm of expertise, which is mostly experience-based, right? I don't have formal education. That's very rewarding for me, but the thought of getting in between two people that are having a conflict, that just seems <laughs> like an exercise in self-mutilation. <laughs> what, what is it that you find enjoyable about that dynamic? Yeah, that's interesting. Because I can see beyond their pain. Mm. And when you get to know them, and there's there's usually this moment when you work with couples, when they share with you a moment when they were in love, when it was, when it wasn't the conflict. And Mm -hmm. it's one of the most humbling and beautiful experiences of just all the other crap just blows away and like, all right, this is where it started. It started in love. It started in laughter. It started in friendship. And let's figure out together what happened to get you in a bad place. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what, because one of the things that I find is when someone's coming into my office, and even if it's my virtual office, I find them to be extremely brave and courageous, whether it's an individual or a couple or a group, because it's not easy to go into a stranger's office and divulge your darkest secrets. But the amount of bravery it takes to say that I deserve more, I want to feel better, I deserve support. I will put in 110% and do whatever I can to get them where they need to get, if I can. So I try to take that that approach of, this is someone who's, you know, I feel really honored when they come in and say, and, and divulge with me what they're going with. So I try to take that approach of, what can I do? And, and a couple is the same thing. It's these two people who have had a unique experience, you know, in their own relationship, but what can we, what can we do to understand what are the pattern? What is, where did you, where do you lose each other and figure out mm-hmm. what we can do to increase the support? So it doesn't have to hurt so much. Right. There's a beauty in the tragedy based on the, the way you're describing it. it. Well, it's kind of like baking, right? You got to add a little salt to enjoy the sweetness even more And yeah. relationships are the same way. You're, you go through the hardships and then you have the the beautiful moments. It's like, you gotta, you gotta figure out what works in both. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a mystery. Well, I mean, all this is, it's kind of hitting close to home for me right now. I mean, I can't speak for Alexis, but when I think about our relationship, like the romantic component of it, at least ending, I mean, I, I think about where it started. I mean, God, like it was just a magical story. Right. But over time, it felt like the, the the things that initially had brought us together ended up, from my perspective anyways, being the things that pushed us apart, that made her difficult and ultimately impossible to relate to on that level. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see often? Yes. And normally what I find is couples will come in and say, oh, it's usually about communication. That's one of the most common things, not all the time, but really in my experience, it's about the emotional connection. Mm. And I explain it to them with this analogy, um, when you're vacuuming and then all of a sudden something pulls the cord out of the wall. Uh huh. It's like that shock, right? Yeah. So, oh my God, what was that? Was that me? Was it the dog? Was it the cat? You know, what has happened? <laughs> what happened? I get back in and you go back. But what happens is, in a relationship, when you when you don't acknowledge there's been a rupture, all right, this one we can get over. This one we can get over. All of a sudden, it's like all these little mini paper cuts, and you're just the relationship just bleeds out, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you know, even though it's painful to say goodbye, it's like if we can't put this back together, we can't plug it back in. The the outlet's damaged uh-huh. because we never took care of it with all the other little ruptures. Yeah. Is that helpful? Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Like not even just in romantic relationships, but in relationships in general, you know, and the reasons why friendships disintegrate or relationships with family, like you said, death by a thousand cuts. I think AC, you even made that reference in one of our episodes. Uh, That's interesting to talk about. So I guess my question would be, what do you say to people who are experiencing this kind of thing where there are these, like you said, these little cuts that keep popping up where you don't necessarily know what to do with them, but they're kind of small. You think, oh, it's no big deal. 
But then, like you said, you eventually just start bleeding out. I mean, I don't know. What would you say to people who feel like they're maybe kind of bleeding out in their relationships? I would say you have to figure out a way to check in with your partner. Because if one Mm -hmm. of you is bleeding out, the partner can most likely feel it. Mm -hmm. But there's so much fear and anxiety in relationships of talking about it. And finding some way, one of the, one of the golden rules I always tell my couples is there's no mind reading. If you haven't said it to yeah. your partner, they don't know. Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. That's and fair. then in, because if I'm bleeding, if I'm suffering, if, if I make dinner every night and you come home late with pizza and you don't know, I spent five hours making dinner. How would you yeah. know that? Exactly. And if you can't, and once again, it goes back to that emotional connection. If I can't be vulnerable with my partner, we better figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because then the, how can a relationship grow? Right. Well, it's like, you know, teaching my kids to bake or whatever they want to, they want the cookies. They want what the end result, they want yes. the goodness. They, they, you know, but then it's like, they're baking they're mixing things. They're getting a little messy. There's a mess to clean up. There's responsibility. Yes. There's timing. There's, uh, there's formulas to follow. Even sometimes there's all these little things just to make, you know, a batch of cookies. One little thing goes wrong. You know, like sometimes it just, it doesn't turn out the way that you want. And then, oh gosh, what do you do with it? (laughs) You know? And so there's always that anxiety of, you know, how much control do we really have over our relationships and ourselves, you know? And also how much effort are you putting into yourselves as individuals? So you're healthy Uh and strong and how much effort are you putting into the relationship? Well, this, this ties into something that you brushed past a few minutes ago. I mean, you'd mentioned self-care and this is a term that comes up really really frequently with like any number of people and self-care it's like spirituality for me it's an innocuous term it it's got no real inherent value or meaning until somebody explains it to me when you mention self-care what are you talking about how you take care of yourself how you replenish yourself how you nourish your body your mind your heart your spirit what are you doing to grow and to be healthy as a person Mm -hmm. are there like universal approaches that people can take or is this more like coming up with an individualized plan well as we've established i'm kind of out of the box type of guy Uh (laughs) so i'm Uh sure some would say well yes and i have a book that i could sell (laughs) i don't have a book (laughs) What I have found is, you know, it changes person to person and it changes in their their life and it changes what their needs are. You are listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow and share. Some of them are basic, you know, like, are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough vitamins? Are you getting enough, you know, some of those physical things. But, you know, we all have different outlets and we all have different needs. We have to be able to say, "Are my to ourselves, are are my needs getting met? And if not, what am I going to do to get them met?" I try to keep things pretty simplistic, you know, not in a condescending way, but in a simplistic way because our world is so overcomplicated, mm. and mm-hmm. we're we're not really taught how to have a connection for ourselves. Oh, I guess that yeah, kind of makes sense because like- I mean, I, I hear people tell me, "Oh, you should journal." You should jog, you should this, you should that. And, you know, I do a lot of different things, but I mean, 
I mean, I don't know how healthy my approach is. I only know that it appears to work for me in the day to day. And there's days where like meditation is what I need. Yeah. But yeah, I could meditate one day and masturbate the next and have the same end result, which is a yes. better uh-huh. headspace. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, and I think people judge that, but I think that's awesome. There was one time I was doing, you know, I was trying to be a healthy person. So of course I'm going to go to yoga, right? Cause that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, and I even like up the ante where I'm like, I'm going to do hot yoga at five 30 oh, on a Friday. Oh, because God. Oh, I know. God. <laughs> and then I'm in this pose and I'm just getting angrier and angrier. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I just realized I don't want to be doing hot yoga on Friday. <laughs> oh, okay. So I didn't do it again, but I tried yeah. it. And then I just uh-huh. listened to myself of like, I just want to like, I don't know, do just dance or Zumba or something where I can get <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. you know, go for a walk. It's like, I just didn't want to be inside anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> that's a trap yeah. we, can, we can all fall into out. though. We, we try to push ourselves yeah. into other people's boxes because we right. see their success. And Well, we don't really know what we need. I feel like we're still discovering right. ourselves all the time. And I'm constantly thinking, okay, what does Lexi need? When the, you know, like getting connected with my inner child is like talking to a seven-year-old. Did you eat yet? You know, you need to eat or, you know, you need more sleep or, you know, something <laughs> like that. But sometimes I don't know what I need. And that can be really frustrating. So then that's when I talk to my friends and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> it's like, well, have you done this? Have you, done that? Mm-hmm. you know, it's always nice to get that feedback that bounces off that kind of helps you to take care of yourself better. Right. And knowing that you're going to try and like, I kind of went back to food. Sorry, I might have an issue here. Of like, it's like trying ice cream. No, it's not. You know, you're going to get a free <laughs> sample, right? And let's say it's a yeah. gross flavor. You don't just give up on ice cream. You go to the next right. one. Right. Uh-huh. You know, thinking about like past traumas and whatnot too, I I think like speaking from personal experience, that really shapes my approach to self-care as you're describing, because I'm, I I grew up in a very, very physically abusive environment. Right. And there was a lot of false accusations. There was a lot of physical and emotional trauma that, that, that came along with that. There was a lot of open mocking people constantly questioning me. It's a deeply religious environment as well, too. So, I mean, I would engage in what was age-appropriate normal behavior, but then somebody had it in their head that I was possessed by demons or something, say, right? Okay, right. Mm -hmm. And as much as I've moved past a lot of these things, I mean, there's a lot of subconscious ties to that time of life that that still exists. And it's like, if I'm going to think about, okay, well, what do I need? I can't just get straight to the answer because I'm so busy thinking, okay, well, do I even have a need? Is there something wrong with me? Am I allowed to have a need? Yeah, exactly. What I'm identifying is healthy. Am I in a good position to make that determination? Because everything in my experience up until this point has told me, AC, you're fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just... I'm just <laughs> processing what you just shared with me because it's so big and important and it, you it know, is. it's so, it, you know, my heart just goes out to you because it's, it's hell mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're exposed to this, right. And all these people who are supposed to keep you safe failed. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many different components when we're talking about trauma and, you know, I, I think one of the biggest parts that aren't ever really talked about enough is really the physical ways that changes the way your brain's functioning. Mm. So, yes. you know, um, 
I use this analogy when I'm talking about trauma. Do you remember they were big in the 80s, those bug zappers? Yeah. Like, yes. you knew it was summer when you just. <laughs> yeah. So, the way I, I explain it in, a, in a really fun. simplified way of trauma <laughs> is you know, when you don't really have trauma, your brain can see that the bug is flying and there's, it comes into a, uh, it comes close enough and then you zap it. But when you've mm-hmm. been traumatized, the brain can't really distinguish all the time what's safe, what's danger. And so all of a sudden it's sending the the laser beam out to the pigeon down the road. Yeah. And then you, the, the individual just gets depleted faster and faster and faster because their body's constantly in fight or flight or freeze mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. is, what, as a human, what just is so sad is when you see a person who it's almost like um, an emotional blackout. You just come, you come, you wake out of it and you say, Oh my God, why did I respond that way? I didn't want to, but your body perceived your brain perceives something as danger, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And it's just, there's, it's so, it's such a cornucopia of, of components there that Mm -hmm. needs, need to be healed and worked out and, and, and processed. Yeah. No, and it can be a hard thing too. Cause I mean, like you say, when you're constantly in fight, flight, or freeze mode, it's difficult to even let your, your guard down to the point where like, if I was going to come and sit down with you in your office, I mean, maybe me personally is a bad example, but <laughs> me, me several years ago, if I was going to come sit in your office, I would be very much on guard. And even though you're obviously a person who is a safe place to, to land, you've got help that you can offer. I may not be in a position to acknowledge that that help is valid. I may just see you as another threat. Yes, 100%. And I'm even going to use the word you just shared, safe. I don't really use that word so much in my practice anymore because just like you're sharing, safety has been bastardized. And most people, when they've endured some sort of trauma, you know, in some areas, it's by someone they knew. Yeah. So I don't want you to come into my office and feel secure and feel safe. Like I use more secure is a little bit of, you know, and I usually try to set up a parameter of my, and I think it's so many different types of therapy. The belief is I'm going into therapy because I want you to fix me or I want you to take this away. And my philosophy is I want to actually give you some coping skills and some approaches and you get to decide what you keep and and give away. It's not my job. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, in my own experiences of, of learning that of, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to take something away because mm-hmm. your trauma is part of your story. It's part of your experience. It's part of who you are. I can give you some skills and approaches so you can decide how you want to narrate that. Thank you for listening to what I like about you. Please remember to like, follow and share. had somebody tell me a, a couple years ago, you know, these traumas that you've experienced. So, you know, your problem, AC, is that you look at these things as things that have happened to you. But what you need to accept is that these things are you. Where do you land on that comment? Oh, I, I would say they're part of your story. But if they're still disturbing and you have every right to figure out a way to not have it be disturbing and not to hurt you if you can. Okay. No, that's because fair. If something if something happens to you or to me, 
I have the right to take care of myself and to figure out. So it's not because what happens is then that trauma, we almost become sort of like puppets to it. Mm-hmm. And that trauma is, for example, you, you have a trigger or something bad has happened. AC isn't really making a decision. It's your, it's your internal system trying to keep you safe. And the more that you decide, the more you build skills and, and try to figure out and, and process the trauma, then you don't have to go into fight or fight or freeze, freeze so often because the mm-hmm. danger isn't there as much. Uh-huh. If I was, if I were going to speak for myself, I've questioned that is my trauma. Is it a part of me now? Is it just stuck to me forever? Are these scales going to slowly come off? And, you know, I, I, that's kind of the way I see it. I kind of feel like it's all scales and it's kind of damaged me, but some of them fall off and some of them kind of stick and some of them come off in big chunks and therapy and revelation and, you know, realization and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just a little, you know, a little thing, just kind of, you know, a little light bulb moment that you have about a trigger that you didn't understand before. I feel like it's altered me. Right. I don't feel like it's changed who I am. I feel like it prohibits me from being able to relax enough to be myself. I feel like that anxiety is always kind of like, depending on what mood I'm in or what kind of a situation I'm in, it's either a wall or a veil. It's just always there. There's always underlining anxiety for me. And there are situations where it's just totally, completely gone. But I feel like the anxiety is more kind of like a visitor now. It just kind of comes and goes. So I don't know. It's just, I feel like it changes. And I, I feel like uh, the more I think, oh, I am my trauma, it's like the more I just think, yeah, it's something that happened to me and it kind of messed me up. Right. And I think everyone has to create the path that works best for them. I, I just always kind of go to basic of if you still look at it and it still causes you a lot of disturb, um, you know, disturbed feelings, then, mm-hmm. then you might need something to help you, you know, and and there's so many great approaches of what that means. You know, it could be medical help. It could be yoga. It could be, you know, creating a podcast about it. It could be Mm -hmm. going into therapy there. You know, there's no right or wrong way. I, in my own philosophy, it's like, if I have something, I just try to get to the root of it. So it doesn't own me. Mm -hmm. And that isn't, you know, some things are complicated. Some are more simplistic ever. And everyone has their own coping skills. And everyone gets to decide what works for them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we have that conversation enough of, you know, what is it that you want? Yeah. I think it's discover. a lot easier to figure out what we don't want. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right, one of my, that's the wrong focus. <laughs> one of my mm-hmm. favorite questions is, you know, let's make a list or I'll, I'll suggest is like, let's make a list of what you're doing to work towards your goal. And let's make a list of what you're not doing. Hmm. Yeah. I always get the F you, Patrick. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not judging. No, that's true. That hits, that's <laughs> but a let's the just belt. have a little yeah, moment seriously. of clarity here uh-huh. and see what we're yeah. doing and what we're not doing. And that gives us objectivity. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of What I Like About You. To support the show, you can buy us a cup of coffee or two, or ten. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash likeaboutyoupod. Thank you for listening. 
I don't know if it's just a byproduct of age. I find I'm getting the older I get, a little bit more introspective, <laughs> a little bit more philosophical. But I, I can say for sure, like in my younger years, I never spent any time thinking about the steps I was taking either in my own uh, best interest or against my best interest. It's just thinking, okay, this is where I want to be and I'm not there, right. you know, right. and, and start getting pissed off at the world around me. Right. You know, and, I, and I think, you know, one of the things that I see a lot, especially when I'm working with men, is that is that lack of insight in their emotional well-being which causes a lot, you know, Oh, my job's having an issue. My partner's unhappy. I'm depressed. You know, <laughs> it's like, well, who are you? Like, how are you doing emotionally? How do you deal with stress? I don't know. I don't feel it. You know, it's sometimes it's just those <laughs> probing questions of let's figure out what your relationship is with yourself before we explore your others. Well, you know, I, I heard an interview years ago. I can't remember who it was. It was a famous musician anyways. And they were asking him, you know, what was your experience with, with sudden fame? And he said, they manufactured me. They turned me into something I didn't want to be. And as soon as he said that, it's like there was something that resonated with, you know, 20 something year old me right there. It's just, I felt like I was a slave to everybody else's expectations. I was being groomed to be a certain something. My emotional state had to be controlled. Yeah. Uh, my image had to be strong. You know, there there was a boldness that was expected of me, and like really, I wasn't prepared for any of these expectations that that were placed on me. But I went out of my way to fit into the the mold, and there was a lot of uh, maybe denial of personal responsibility that came along with that. I think you know a lot of the times where it's like if I was having a bad day or if I'd have a complete meltdown, it's like well, you know, like you're saying, well, my boss is an asshole. My wife is not being very nice to me. You know, like there's any number of environmental factors that I could point to and say, this is the reason that my mood is unstable right now. Right. At no point did I ever stop and think I'm feeling X <laughs> and yeah. make it into an independent statement. Then I, I find, you know, we can usually feel content, pissed off and anything else. We're usually questioned. <laughs> mm. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, so and then, you know, when I'm working with a couple, he's, you know, let's say a male and, and uh, man and woman. Well, he doesn't feel anything. It's like he's not allowed to like, <laughs> he's never like yeah, you're right. Well, he he feels it. He just doesn't have the platform to express it because we're not allowed to. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am hoping that's changing. I think, you know, especially with the pandemic and, and what I'm seeing, I think people being able to talk more about mental health issues, about mental illness, about emotional well-being. I think it's, it's getting a little bit more normalized, right? I think we have a, yeah. a long way to go for, for everyone, not just mm -hmm, men, mm -hmm. but I think for everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, in schools, you know, the, the teachers are more aware of helping children identify their feelings and helping them cope. I see that more, at least, you know, where my kids go to school, where they're more focused on, uh, healthy self-development along with the academics, uh, which I think is important because you don't want, you know, put yourself in a box like that, or you grew up in a box like we did. There's all these weird dark corners. It's so frustrating. And when I finally just allowed myself permission to like, let my mind wander and ask myself those questions, like, what do you like? What do you even want? 
praise. That was very empowering to me because I realized how autopilot I was in rejecting even that permission to even freely think for myself. Right, right. Yeah. Did you did you ever see the movie Runaway Bride? Yeah. Yes. All right, the Funny. scene where Richard Gere says, like, you don't even know what kind of egg you want. And then yeah. you see her eating a dozen type of eggs to yeah. figure mm-hmm. out which one she, I said, when I saw that scene, I said, yes. It's true. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's very yeah. true. I think yeah. that we adapt to the people that we're with in order to feel safe because we don't want the conflict. Yes. yes. Yeah. And and especially, you know, school, you know, like we want to belong, we want to fit in. It's safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when we don't fit in, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's noticed when you don't fit in, you don't fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think we're taught from a fairly young age too. like whether it's a deliberate lesson or we're just learning from example, we start off every relationship, every conversation within that relationship with a lie. And the lie is usually the answer to the like the most basic, simple question that two people can ask of each other, which is, how are you? Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. fine. I'm almost never fine. Right. Yeah. And I'm up until about two, <laughs> three years ago, my answer was to that question was always fine. But now, I mean, if you were going to come to me and say, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm having a shitty day. And this is why. Yeah. And I'll just lead with that. And right. I found that more often than not, after that initial shock wears off with the person I'm talking to, <laughs> you can see this confidence wash over their face. Like, okay, this uh-huh. is the level we communicate on now. Right. Now I can unpack my stuff and, you know, things just get deep real quick. Yeah. You yeah. know how I practice that? I don't want to say practice, but um, cashiers, especially uh, yeah. during uh-huh. the pandemic. <laughs> I remember, you know, when this was more of like, you know, the, towards the beginning of last year you know when everything was shut down i remember this this one cashier just looked ragged and i just said how are you doing like are you okay and they just said it's just been crazy but you know you almost just kind of wanted to like you know like they needed someone just to say like hey we see you 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 are doing this for us yeah so we can you know take care of us and our families and like i appreciate that like to me i think they're part of the front line but it's just like how are you doing and then you just see them come yes. back online you know they're i think how we just go doing? to that auto, <laughs> autopilot right um, yeah no it's true to survive but it's like hey yeah. how are you okay well it seems kind of <laughs> um deliciously ironic actually that we're coming towards the tail end of our conversation here and we're talking about the beginnings of a conversation <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I could seriously do this all day. You're such an easy person to talk to, but oh, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't want to like blow through all of our time here without giving you a chance to talk a little bit more about what you do. You'd mentioned a podcast. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your practice and your pod? Sure. So uh, last year, actually, when the pandemic, I I really struggled because I I just lost. You know, you lose everything in, in a way of connection. So I started a. It's um, on my Friday. It's called Friday Night Feels. It's every two weeks. I do it on Facebook Live, um, Patrick Monette Counseling Services. And then I turn that into a podcast. And you can get it on Spotify. I put it on YouTube. And so every two weeks, I just invite different people in that have their own experiences with mental health, with, um, 
you know, just different, different life experiences of yoga of, um, I just talked to someone a couple of weeks ago, um, this amazing, amazing young man who's autistic and is really trying to get rid of the stigma of, of uh-huh. people against autism. I have a, an amazing woman coming on who works with parents and families to improve their finances. So I just mm-hmm. like, connect, kind of like your show, like you connect with yeah. different people of, Hey, what's your story? And you know, let's, let's spend a Friday night and just like go into it. And it's been one of the most amazing adventures I never knew I needed. <laughs> <laughs> podcasting, I have to say, just podcasting in general is just, it, there's a completely different world out there. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I've met so many interesting people. Okay. And do you, do you have a website for your podcast and or your practice? Um, it's patrickmonette.com. All of my information is there. Okay. Um, I just try to make it as simple for people to find all me. Right. And we'll make mm-hmm. sure we of course include links to all of your different things in this week's show notes. Um, what we like to do at the end of every episode is we do a sort of a little round of uh, what we call what I like about you was coming into this conversation. Of, of course, Alexis and I knew each other, but I mean, neither one of us knew you or anything about you. And maybe we had some preconceived mo- notions. Maybe it was just like a big question mark. But after spending, you know, the better part of the last hour together, you know, I've identified some things about you, Patrick, that I like. And this is the time where we kind of just try to share with each other. And normally I make Alexis go first because I'm a bit of a coward that way. But in this case, (laughs) I think I'm going to, I'm going to go first. (laughs) What I like about you, Patrick, is you have a way of presenting complex ideas in the most simple and relatable ways. You'd, You'd mentioned that you know, you're not big on the word safe in your practice. And I understand that. And I appreciate that you would make the distinction there between um, feeling safe and feeling, you know, you got permission to express in an environment that's free of harm. I think too often people subconsciously overlook the fact that safety and familiarity are more or less the same thing you've identified that there can be some pain and some trauma wrapped up in the word safe. Right. So, I mean, that all ties into another thing I really, really like about you is that you care enough about me, about anybody you talk to, to navigate these painful nuanced uh, thought patterns. It it tells me that you are a genuine person with a genuine desire to see other people do okay. And I really think that the world needs more people like you. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's, yeah. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And what I like about you is that I feel that, like what AC was saying, I feel that you're very genuine. I feel like you are who you say you are. In the beginning, you talked about, yeah, I don't really fit into the box. <laughs> I feel like that's very true. And I feel like it's awesome. I feel the same way. I feel like more people like you should be out there. You have a unique way of relating with people. You give people the space to open up and you share what you've learned. You share based on your experience, which isn't easy. And that's something I find that vulnerability is, is very valuable. And I think that that's something I really like about you. Wow. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you. So that's my <laughs> turn, right? Or right. Right. Am I following the rules? Yeah, I mean, if you like us, I mean, (laughs) you're 
I mean, it was a good first date, guys, but I mean, I don't know if there'll be a second. No, I'm just <laughs> no I'll, um, I'll do a, you know, I, I, what I like about both of you, I'm just going to combine it because I think it just makes sense is um, you both in a short amount of time were able to be very loving and genuine and raw with me who you don't know. And the reason you probably do this podcast is to, to reach other people who have had your experiences and for AC, for you to share with me, these traumas and this pain is, is such a gift as a person to, to let me hold that with you and to be vulnerable with me. I really, really like that and appreciate that about you and Alexis, your very loving and kind insight and not being afraid to, to be open about what your struggles are with me as a person. Um, and you know, all together with this conversation is, is a really beautiful and humbling experience. And this has been an amazing, amazing experience for me. No, I've really enjoyed this episode myself. I have to say it's been really great, Patrick. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. Well, for everybody who's listening, this has been another wonderful episode of what I like about you. Today's guest was Patrick Manette. We will include links to his work in this week's show notes. Thank you all for listening.